Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Friday, March 6th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. We're going to talk a lot about running backs today, Jay Book. We're going to finish the show talking about Baron Browning. We'll get into a little bit of recruiting as well. But let's start with Ohio State's running back situation. Obviously, the Master Teague injury, bad news for the Buckeyes this week. It's the first time you and I have talked about it, Jay Book. I just want to get your reaction to that injury. What are you hearing? How long do you think he might be out from what you're hearing from your sources and just your general reaction to that news? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm I'm hoping the kid can have a speedy recovery. I thought Master Teague was due for a really big breakout this year. Um, he was going to get all the touches and the opportunity in the world to show that he was a big-time back. So you'd hate to hear a kid who – already missed his senior year of high school due to an uh, a ankle injury. Now he's out with an Achilles injury. You just hope that whenever he does come back, um, all indications are, and I was reading uh, what you, uh, Kevin Wilson had told you, you know, potentially give or take up to six months. And the thing with Achilles injuries is there, you know, guys can come back. We saw Tuff Boylan come back fairly quickly from it, but – with the running back position, will he have that explosive nature in this game? Will he be able to make people miss in the open space, which is a requirement for the running back position? Um, you know, if you can get anything from Master T this year, at this point it's going to be a cherry on top. That's a serious injury to come back from, and, and he's going to be a guy that has to rely on his speed and explosive nature. If not, then – I would say shut him down, red shirt him if, if he's not going to come back healthy and if he's coming back gimpy. So if you're looking at a six-month timetable here, um, you're, you're pushing into fall camp. And at, at that point, what type of game shape will he really be in? Uh, will he be ready to go to handle any type of workload? That's to be determined. Uh, you're just going to have to put a lot of faith and trust in Ohio State's uh, medical staff and strength and conditioning staff to try to get him ready. Um, it's an unfortunate event, especially when you look at the, the numbers at that position. It's probably the thinnest group out of anyone on the roster. Um, so having your, you know, guy who's top five rushing in the Big Ten go down before spring ball even starts is a big blow. No question about it. I know people, you know, everybody was like harping on how he looked in the Clemson game, kind of forgetting for the entire season before that he looked damn good. I know he struggled against Clemson, but uh, – you know, I thought overall Master Teague looked really good. And, you know, Buckeye fans were saying throughout the year he'd start on every every team in the Big Ten except for two, Ohio State and Wisconsin. And then kind of after one game, it seemed like Buckeye fans started to sour on him, which I never understood. But like you said, very well said. Hopefully it's not as serious as we think, and he will be back 
But like you said, even if he's cleared after six months, how explosive will he be? How will he be able to cut on that injury? It's uh, definitely unfortunate news. Moving on, Marcus Crowley's a guy that you've been high on for a long time. Um, you know, not just because of what you saw last year, but just talking to people behind the scenes. Um, you know, he's still going to be out. He's going to be out for the rest of spring, but they say he's going to be back before camp starts, so that's good news. What are you hearing there? When do you think he's going to be fully cleared, and maybe what can fans expect from Marcus Crowley this season? Yeah, I've, I've been a huge advocate of Marcus Crowley, a big-time uh, prospect coming out of Florida, being the high school uh, player of the year out of Florida, playing, playing against some of the toughest competition. And I'm a little concerned here because he's been out for quite a bit of time. Now they're saying the timetable is that they're hoping that he's going to be back for camp. Obviously, you, you're hoping for the best here, but he's really pushing up against it. He's missing a lot of football here. It's one thing to be able to uh, step back into a role if you have valuable game reps and experience and uh, you have, you know, 100 carries under your belt or something like that where you're familiar with the college-level speed. But that's not the case with Crowley. He uh, played in more of a reserve role last year, and at the same time, he looked pretty darn good. Now, it's another situation here. Once he gets cleared, what type of game shape will he be in? Fingers crossed that the knee doesn't swell back up once he's cleared. Um, but to me, it's it's very important that he gets back um, to 100% here. There's no 70 or 80% rushing him back just because you're so afraid of what the numbers look like on that side of the football uh, as far as the running back position. But I'm I'm a little nervous right now. I wouldn't be as nervous with Crowley if Master Teague was healthy, but the simple fact that he's um, he's going to be coming back around the same time frame, but if you look at Marcus Crowley's injury, it happened a long time ago, and he still has a ways to get back. It's going to take a lot of effort from him as far as making sure that he's getting the proper treatment and he's rehabbing that injury so that when he comes back, he's ready to go because – once you once you have a, a football injury and you've been out of football for a long time and you haven't had contact for a long time, it's going to take your body uh, a period of, of adjustment here. So even though Marcus Crowley uh, could be back for camp, I still think it's going to take him at least a couple games to really get back into that type of shape because you can run all the gassers and the sprinting on the sidelines and, and doing sand drills all you want to, but it's a whole different beast when it comes to being in actual game shape. Once you're taking the hits, once you're getting 10 to 15, 17 carries and your body's taking that type of pounding, but you're also able to maintain your speed and your power in the fourth quarter, that's what you want to see. And hopefully that they can get Marcus Crowley back because I've been pretty high on him. Um, I know Randy Wade has said – he's going to be the next one in line that's going to have uh, a major impact at the running back position. And I take his word uh, his word for that. The, the small glimpse that we saw from him in mop-up duty, he really showed that elusiveness that you want to see out of your running back as well as being able to show a little bit of power there. So my fingers are crossed. I have high hopes for him. But I would, I would be disingenuous if I said I wasn't a little bit worried considering the numbers uh, that we're looking at right now at the running back position. Let's talk about the one scholarship running back who is healthy right now for the Buckeyes, Steel Chambers. 
What a great name, by the way. I mean, Master Teague's a great name. Steel Chambers, great name. Um, both those guys in the all-name team. You could probably put Gunnar Hoke on there as well. But Steel Chambers, a guy that was a high school star, never left the field, was a linebacker and running back, two-time state champion, you know, in a talent-rich state of Georgia. I know he went to a relatively small school in Georgia, but still was still ranked as one of the top 210 players in the nation coming out of high school. I'm curious to get your take on Steel Chambers. If he has to be the starting running back this year for the Buckeyes, how do you think he would do, Jay Book? The the one good thing that you can hang your hat on is this is going to be an outstanding offensive line this year. Um, I'm pretty certain that if if a guy is healthy, he's capable of reading his keys as far as the offensive line. He will push for a thousand yards. Um, still, Chambers is to be determined on what he's going to look like on the big stage. The guy has never really played big time football here. There was a period of time when he was getting recruited that a lot of people was uncertain if he was actually going to be a running back. Some people believe that he was a better prospect as a linebacker coming out of Georgia, uh, and they, they moved him to, to running back, and he is a big dude. I mean, when you see him um, in person and you see him running downhill, he's like a bull in a china shop. So I think that he's going to obviously get the, the most touches and the cracks and get all the reps with the first team. I'm curious to know how they're going to load manage him because with the numbers so thin, and I and I, I can't believe that at a place like Ohio State that we're now to the point to where the numbers are so thin at the Cadillac position, the running back position, that you're talking about there's only one scholarship player on the roster in the spring. That just that just you know, it, it just totally baffles my mind, but. Um, I think Steele's going to do well. I think he's going to have the benefit of having uh, a top five NFL quarterback um, that he's going to be running behind. He's going to have uh, probably the best offensive line, if not top five offensive line in all the college football that he's going to run behind. So those two factors are really going to benefit him. I think Ohio State this year is going to be a pass-first offense. They have no choice but to, considering the wide receiver position is the most talented skill position on the team. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Justin Fields throwing the football. They don't need Steel Chambers to be a Heisman caliber running back. He just needs to be a serviceable running back to where defenses can respect Ohio State's running attack, and he's able to. He's going to get a lot of running lanes. He just has to be able to capitalize on it. I got to throw Tough Borland, of course, on the all-name team as well. I can't believe I, I forgot about Tough Borland there. Great, especially when you're a middle linebacker. Um, we'll get into linebackers later in the show. But, yeah, Steel Chambers, I like him. Six foot one, 220 pounds. I mean, he is just well put together, and he runs well. He's fast. I I think he, again, he wasn't like some three-star recruit. I keep saying he's, like, underrated. I think people forget how, you know, he was a four-star recruit that was one of the top 210 players in the nation in his recruiting class in 2019. So we'll see what happens with Steel Chambers. Um, a couple more running backs I want to ask you about, running back situations. Let's just combine these two. Thank goodness the Buckeyes have Mayan Williams coming in, true freshman. Um, not that he's expected to be a star or anything, but my gosh, they just need healthy running backs. And Mayan Williams is not a burner. He's absolutely not a burner, but he, he can make you miss and he can run you over. Uh, I just think he's a very physical back, and I'm just glad that they were able to steal him away from Iowa State. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Mayan Williams, and do you think Ohio State has to get a running back if, if for no other reason, just for depth in the portal now? Um, I'll start with the, with the 
question in regards to the portal. That you will hope that they're able to do it, but the problem that you're running into is the numbers crunch, and that's been the situation uh, from the start right after recruiting because they had to pass on a couple guys because it, the numbers weren't right. And I'm not sure the total count right now, but I know for several months now, Ryan Day said they're pretty full. Um, if they do find someone, it's going to have to be pretty much a one-and-done, a grad transfer. I know on Twitter I had talked about Ricky Slade, and I thought he would be a, a good prospect to at least kick the tires on. But at the same time, a kid like that, you don't know if he's going to be cleared by the NCAA or if he's going to have to sit out a year. If you're going to go into the actual portal, you're going to, you're going to need someone who's eligible to play right now and not necessarily a guy that will probably have to stick around the program two years or so. You probably just want an immediate grad transfer like you had with Jonah Jackson if there is anyone out there who's able to fulfill that role. Uh, but Mayan Williams, he's a guy that I thought coming in was a developmental guy, someone that was provided debut. You, they had to have uh, a running back commitment in that last class. It's unfortunate now that we're looking at this kid to be able to come in right away and step up. Not a lot of true freshmen can actually do that, uh, but that's going to be the initial case. He's probably going to automatically start running with the second team as soon as he touched down on campus because if Marcus Crowley is not cleared until uh, August or so when camp starts or late July when camp starts, as soon as he's in there as far as uh, Mayan Williams, he's going to get – at minimum, some second-team reps because you can't rush Marcus Crowley back as soon as he's cleared. You're going to have to ease him back into it. And I know there was a, a couple pictures of Mayan Williams floating around the message board showing that he's he's been in the weight room getting his body right uh, before and after picture. And I hope it's true. Um, he has to have a sense of urgency. You hate to put that type of pressure on an incoming uh, running back especially at a place like Ohio State because the pressure can swallow you up if you're not ready uh, mentally, not alone physically, because playing in the Big Ten will take a grind on you. I would feel a lot better about Mayan Williams if he was already on campus participating in spring ball so that he can get his feet underneath him a little bit. But once you arrive on campus as a, as a freshman, your head is swimming, and, and not, not necessarily just – about football, but about life in general, because the first time you've moved away from home, uh, you're trying to get your bearings, classes are getting ready to start up, and, and you're just trying to adjust to being a normal college student, not alone being uh, thrown right into the fire on the number two team in college football. So it's going to be a lot to ask from Mayan Williams. i tell you what, Tony Alford is going to have to earn his money this year because a lot of the recruiting misses that we've seen over the last two years are starting to pop their heads up. But I've always given Tony Alford the benefit of doubt because I thought that he always got the most out of his running backs when it came to on-the-field production. And he his record when it comes to getting his guys to produce speaks for itself. He's going to have to have an all-time coaching type of year to make sure that they can at least um, – they can at least hold serve here when it comes to the running back production. All right, let's switch gears and talk a little recruiting real quick. Just one guy, the main guy, number one wide receiver in the country, number nine overall player in the country, 
Mecca Ekbuka from the state of Washington. There's some talk out there that Ohio State might perhaps be the leader. Some people, you know, there's some people who say maybe it's, you know, uh, Clemson might be a little bit in front and Washington's still one to watch. But most people seem to think that the Buckeyes are the favorite here. I mean, that would be great news, obviously, and Brian Harlan continues to kill it. Just your thoughts on that news, Jay Book. Yeah, you have to feel really good where Ohio State's at right now. For the last several weeks, there's been a lot of smoke up there that the Buckeyes are in a great position here. And uh, the way things are trending, and I know a Washington insider on the on the 24-7 board has said that Ohio State uh, right now holds a heavy lead. And if you're to take his word for it, then that is tremendous news. And it's just another testament to uh, Brian Hartline and his recruiting skills. The guy is an absolute beast when it comes to recruiting. The fact that they can go all the way out there uh, once again in the Pacific Northwest and pull out a top 10 national player if they're able to lend his commitment would just be a, a tremendous boom for the program. He's a he's the type of kid that you don't redshirt. He plays right away. I, I, I looked at some of the clips uh, recently from him in the 707 where he just was absolutely dominating kids. But if you can get him in a fold and, and have Gee Scott Jr. helping with his recruitment, then I think Ohio State is really positioning themselves. That's all you can ask for right now is to get yourself at least in that top two, top three when it comes to the kids' top choices and then hit it out the ballpark once you're able to get him on campus for a visit. Yeah, I like this budding pipeline uh, from the state of Washington. Never thought that would uh, occur, but it's, uh, you know, the Buckeyes might get the number one D tackle in the country from the state of Washington. They might get the number one wide receiver from the state of Washington. I call it the G. Scott effect, whether it's G. Scott Sr., G. Scott Jr., um, helping the Buckeyes recruit. Uh, just a, uh, you know, a good situation there. All right, as promised, let's finish the show talking about Baron Browning. Kind of was miscast last year, I thought. I mean, I thought he, he finally was like, it felt like the light came on for him last year, but he still, I thought, was miscast as a middle linebacker, backup middle linebacker. They would kind of rotate him and Tough Borland, Borland being the starter, Browning being the backup. Now, Baron Browning's playing outside linebacker. He's also playing some defensive end, um, probably more of a situational pass rusher. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a three-down defensive end or anything like that. But uh, very interesting development there with Baron Browning saying he's playing outside linebacker and defensive end heading, heading into his senior season, Jay Book. Yeah, this, when I heard that news, it made me stand up at my desk and give a little silent Tiger Woods piss, uh, fist pump there because this is what I have been waiting for. This kid, I feel like, has been playing out of position since he's arrived at Ohio State. Uh, now, unleash his talent. This kid is a big-time prospect when he's able to bend the corner there. We saw the flashes of it last year. L- let him see football. Uh, get football, see quarterback, get quarterback. Allow him to utilize that size and speed and come off the edge in situations where he's able to rush the quarterback. But just having him flanked on the outside, that's his natural position. I know they tried to uh, make him into a Mike linebacker, but a lot of times his it, it was said that his development was vastly slowed down because the game was moving way too fast for him at the mic spot. When you're at that that middle linebacker spot, you're in charge of making sure the defense is getting set, the calls are coming in, but you're also having to uh, make sure that you're keeping your responsibility. When you're on that outside, you're you're 
able to utilize your athleticism a little bit more. And I thought that his fit has always been on the outside. And with his size, he's able to get after the quarterback on the edge there. And I really like this move here. I think it's going to free up a lot of those younger linebackers when it comes to the depth position here. My only hope is is that uh, Tough Boylan get back to um, he get back to form here. I know after that Achilles injury, it kind of looked like he was running in the mud. But with him being back, um, there were times last year that I felt that even with even though Baron Browning was out of position, he was he was even better than Tough at that Mike linebacker spot. But I think the defense will be better off with Baron playing on the outside and rushing the quarterback. Great insights, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, and thank you to our listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's show the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.